this Gospel of Luke journey we've been taking here. You know, if you really want to know um, what Jesus is about, you want to learn who Jesus is, you want to discover, you know, who is he really and what was his mission and uh, so on, then, you know, going through one of the Gospels is what you want to do. And so encourage you that if you haven't read through the Gospel of Luke, read through with us. You know, next message we're going to be starting in chapter 8, so maybe you might want to spend a little time in Luke chapter 8 this next week uh, just to see what's there and before we come in and hear a message on it. But uh, let's go ahead and let's pray and ask for God's blessing on our time in the Word. Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for uh, the blessing uh, that it is to come and worship together through singing and uh, through um, just being able to, to mutually encourage one another. Lord, help us all to um, take advantage of this opportunity when we're together today, before and after the service even, just to encourage one another, as it says in the Word of God, to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And Lord, help us to see that that's a ministry too. And that's, a, that's an important part of this day that we gather together. So, Lord, we just pray that you would bless that time. And also now, Lord, we ask for your um, Holy Spirit to be uh, filling us right now as we hear your word. And, Lord, help us to respond in an appropriate manner to your word. And, Lord, as your spirit begins to move in our hearts as we hear your word, Lord, we just pray, God, that we would have ears to hear and we would have spiritual eyes to see the truth and to love it and to act on it and to embrace it and to believe it. Or we want to lift up to people in our congregation and our friends and family also who are, who are ill right now. They're sick. Lord, as you bring them to mind, Lord, we want to pray for healing for their bodies. If they're struggling with depression, Lord, we would just pray for healing there where there's might be a chemical imbalance. We pray for healing. If there's, if it's some spiritual attack, Lord, we pray for deliverance for them. And Lord, we just, um, just thank you so much for this, um, this location here that we call home. It's just a tool, but uh, Lord, it's a gift from you, and we're, we 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 count it a blessing. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name, Amen. If you're able to stand, would you stand for the reading of God's Word this morning here as we look in Luke chapter 7. I'm going to be reading verses 36 to 50 here out loud, and you can just listen along. Uh, But we just stand in honor of the Word of God this morning. Here's the Word of the Lord. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. 
And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. What a fascinating scene, isn't it? Amazing. Um, So far in Luke, we've seen Jesus' ministry to help all kinds of people, all kinds of people. Jesus has been relating in Luke's gospel to fishermen, grieving widows, desperate soldiers, and paralyzed people. And now, a woman of the city known as a sinner and having a bad reputation. And we see our Savior being amongst all kinds of people. And uh, this is good news for us because it just reminds me that there's not one of us too far from the Lord and from God's grace and mercy. And Jesus is not standing back from anyone. He wants them to know him and he wants them to know God's forgiveness. So, and not only have we seen Jesus minister to all kinds of people, we get, have gotten a glimpse of his identity, who he is really, right? And... Um, and one of the things we've seen is Jesus as a healer. Right? We've seen him heal many people in the gospel. And today we're going to see that he is the Savior. He is the one who forgives. And we will see that clearly. And so uh, I just want to be able to say, here, here's the point today. The point is that a life that has experienced God's forgiveness is evidenced through acts of love and devotion to Jesus. A life that has experienced God's forgiveness is evidenced through acts of love and devotion to Jesus. I think this is really the point of the passage uh, as we get into it. And so uh, I'd like to take a look here uh, first at uh, just this first concept of experiencing the forgiveness that comes through Jesus because uh, it becomes evident to us as we'll see in a few minutes, that, and as we read, that this woman, her actions were a response to something that had happened in her life, okay? And, and so she had experienced the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. And, and just FYI, 
I've uh, come to the conclusion that I, I believe that this woman before this scene had already received the forgiveness. A couple reasons for that. Uh, one mainly is just when Jesus says, "Your woman, your sins are forgiven, it is in a tense that means it happened in the past and it continues to be true. Okay, And so he says your sins basically means have been forgiven. And, and likely she would have just heard him preach and he would have been preaching the gospel good news message, right, of repentance and forgiveness of sins, and her life has been transformed, okay? And I believe what we're seeing here is a demonstration that she herself has experienced this forgiveness uh, of, of uh, the Lord. And so um, one of the things we need to realize is, and if you read the Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, we see that God is not only a God of holiness and justice, but He's a God of mercy and forgiveness. And this is an important thing for us to understand. And And I have some uh, Scriptures I'm going to mention to you here. I don't have the full verses up here, but we have um, the passages here, uh, the, the references. So just listen to some of these words uh, in the scriptures that speak of God's forgiveness. Micah seven eighteen says, "Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay anger forever, but delight to show mercy." Isn't that good news? We worship a God who pardons sin, He forgives our transgressions, and He doesn't stay angry forever, but He delights to show mercy. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing for us to just get a hold of. In Isaiah 53, or 43, verse 25, where this is God speaking, He says, I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions, your sins. For my own sake, you know, he's, he's holy, we're not, right? If we're going to ever have relationship with him and be in his presence, uh, something has to happen because he's holy and we are not. So he says, I, even I am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. That's an amazing uh, act of forgiveness. He chooses to not call to mind our sins. I feel like my mic is hot. Is that true? Okay. Um, okay. Thanks. Um, so he remembers our sin no more. And then Jesus, in later in Luke, uh, and this is after the resurrection, probably one of the top ten passages in the New Testament for me that I just love is the, the, the scene on the road to Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection, and he's talking with those two disciples, and, and they don't realize they're talking to the risen Savior, and he starts sharing with them all the things in the Scriptures about uh, himself, though they didn't know it was him, from the Old Testament. You know, he was given like, you know, Old Testament and New Testament survey and a walk down the road, you know, uh, the scarlet thread of the gospel. And, and just, he, he mentions to them, you know, all these things, and, it's, and, and they these disciples talk to themselves afterwards. They talk to each other and say, were our hearts not burning within us 
as he was sharing these things with us. So that's the scene where he says in Luke 24, 46 and 47, it says, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And so the Bible is just replete with scriptures that tell us what God is like. He is, he is a God who's merciful and a forgiving God. And so we need to keep this in mind and as we, as we look at this passage because there's just a major message for us about forgiveness in this passage. And as you think about it, in this parable, the little parable that he told, that Jesus told back in Luke 7, and, and don't you just love it here? Let's just kind of, just for a second, just remember what's happening, right? He gets invited over to a Pharisee's house. We learn that the Pharisee's name is Simon, okay? We learn his name is Simon. He's invited over, and um, then what happens is, is that this woman comes in and starts, in a sense, worshiping at Jesus' feet uh, out of gratitude. Now, you might say, well, how would that happen? Well, sometimes these meals that they would have, it would kind of be an open-door affair. And other people that, um, so you have your invited guests there sitting around the table or reclining. They wouldn't be sitting up like we sit. They would be reclining with their feet out back. It's kind of different from what we would do. But, uh, but, But others would be sitting around the periphery. And so this woman comes in and um, breaking all the cultural rules, uh, you know, um, first of all, you know, being a woman to come into this uh, situation like she was and, and letting her hair down. You would typically only let your hair down for your husband, okay, culturally speaking. Let her hair down and she doesn't care what anybody thinks. She's just... Um, so um, appreciative of the grace and forgiveness that she has received from God. And she, she must have heard the words of the gospel from Jesus. She must have heard the words, and she believed them because she has been, um, as Jesus said, you know, uh, he who has been forgiven little loves little, and she's obviously showing a lot of love, right? Um, a lot of love. And so, um, and of course, Simon the Pharisee is just really put off by this, um, what's going on. In fact, there's a little irony here because he says, and, and actually the sense of the word uh, that's used here, he's saying this to himself. Simon is saying this. He's saying to himself, um, if he had known who this was touching him, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. And then, but what happens? Well, Jesus then says in verse 40, um, he says, um, and Jesus answering said to Simon, I have something to say to you. Okay, well, first of all, what's interesting is, you know, he didn't say this to Jesus. He said this to himself. So guess what? Jesus proves himself at the very least a prophet. He's reading his mind, okay? 
He's like, well, if you had been a prophet, you know, in his mind, he's saying this. And then Jesus is like, oh, okay, I'm going to go there, huh? So he's going to tell him what he's, he already knows what he's thinking. And so, of course, Jesus not a prophet, but more than a prophet, but he's kind of just showing him. So I really think Simon's really kind of, a lot of times you see Jesus get invited to the Pharisees' homes. It, it's a trap of some sort, or they're skeptical at the, at the very uh, best. They're skeptical of who he is. And, of course, uh, that skepticism comes out in what he's thinking. And so Jesus reads his mail, as it were, and basically just says, I've got something to tell you. And I just love it. He says, well, say it. And so Jesus is going to um, really tell a story that gets to the heart of his issue. And so the story he tells in verse 41 of Luke 7, it says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. So one had 10 times the debt of the other one. Right? That's basically the gist. Um, and then he says, uh, when they couldn't pay, he canceled the debt of both. Well, you know, just think about this. One of those, uh, one of the resources I looked up said, you know, one of the, the larger of the two debts was like two years' wages. Right? Can you just imagine if somebody just canceled a debt that was equal to two times what you make in a year? I mean, that is just crazy, right? Um, and, and, and I just can imagine that you would be like, you know, skipping down the road if you skip, you know, skip. Uh, or, or just be so excited, right? I mean, you, if you're not a whoop, whoop person, you probably would have whooped, I bet. You know, it, just, it would be, ex, you know, just incredible. You know, um, the, the closest thing I could think of is like, what if somebody just said, hey, you know that house payment, just forget it forever. Forget it. I mean, that would just be amazing, right? Be amazing. And, and so just, he's just, you know, Simon got the point, uh, he understood how to, the correct answer to the question that Jesus gives, you know, which one do you think would love uh, this, this person who forgave them more and the one who had the greater debt? But the thing is, is I don't think he really saw that it was about him. He didn't see that he had a great debt of sin. He had a great debt of sin that he could not pay. But this woman who comes in, her debt has been forgiven. She's, she has been forgiven of her sin. And she knows it. And she knows how great the debt is in a sense. You know, she's, we don't, and by the way, we don't know what her sin was. People speculate all kinds of things. It doesn't say. You know, some people think, oh, well, she was a prostitute. Maybe, but we don't know. And I don't think this is Mary Magdalene, by the way, either. There's no proof this is Mary Magdalene. Okay? But those are my opinions. Uh, but I don't think in the text there we don't have any evidence of that. But she, she was known for some sin. She had some kind of reputation, okay? She had some kind of a reputation uh, of some kind of sin. And so she... Um, had experienced the love and the grace and forgiveness of God. And she was there uh, displaying her gratitude. She was displaying her gratitude. And so, um, and this is important, right? If you were going to experience the forgiveness that comes through Jesus, we have to come to terms with the weight and the debt of our own sin. How great of a debt that is, if you, if you want to think of it like a debt. Um, 
how great our sin is to God. And, and you know, sin um, certainly is related to breaking God's law, but, but not just in action, but also in thought, in a word, in deed, right? Um, and just even our hearts being in rebellion to God, not wanting to live His way or do things the way He would desire for us to, to do, the things that are pleasing to Him, those, that's sin, right? Missing the mark, if you will, um, and the mark of righteousness. And so um, we have to um, understand how bad things are in our hearts uh, that we, um, we need forgiveness from God. We have sinned against God. We have, uh, and of course, others as well. And so once we understand that and we're faced with that, and, and like this woman was, she uh, apparently just, she knew how bad things were in her, in her life and she experienced the grace and forgiveness of God. But Simon, the religious person that he was, did not really understand nor experience this forgiveness, at least to this point that it becomes apparent in, the par- in, this, in this scene, was he wasn't getting it. He just didn't understand. So to put it very simply here for, uh, for our sake is that if we want to experience the forgiveness that comes through Christ, is we have to understand that our sin has separated us from God. And we don't have a relationship with God when we're born into this world because we're born with sin. But now what this woman didn't know was how God was going to take care of her sin, right? And um, because, you know, when you, when you look at the timeline of where we are in Luke, right, we haven't reached the cross yet. We haven't reached the resurrection as we're going through Luke. But that is obviously God's plan, as we know as believers, that is God's plan for salvation. It was that Jesus Christ would die on the cross for our sins, that we could be forgiven, that we could be made right with God and have this great debt of sin lifted off our back and have close fellowship with our Lord Jesus. And it's all what He did. That's the thing. That's the amazing thing, right? Um, Anyone... And as I said at the beginning of the message, right, we see all these people that Jesus um, ministered to, right? Any one of them, uh, if they reached out to him, could be forgiven. They realized their need. But we have to understand we need that. Because if you don't know that you need something, you're not going to reach out for help for it. If you know you need help, you're in a situation that you can't get yourself out of, and you can't get yourself out of the debt that you owe God for sin. Only what Christ has done. He paid it all, right? Like the old old hymn, right? Jesus paid it all. What he did on the cross takes care of everything. And uh, isn't there great freedom in that? I mean, you think about what this, this woman is doing, her expression of gratitude. Just amazing. And I was thinking about this. I can't remember the psalm. You can just, you know, this would be a good little Bible study for you, right? The, just the, the one where, you know, uh, that talks about restore to me the joy of my salvation, right? And just thinking about 
Uh, have you ever been at a place, and maybe you are now, where you're like, you know what? I know I'm a believer. I know I put my faith in God, but I'm just lacking some joy in my walk. You know, and, and uh, if that's where you're at today, when we, when we uh, pray before we leave today, I, I'm just going to pray that the Lord would restore your joy um, and maybe help you see um, if there's anything that might be contributing to that lack of joy. Because I think the Lord wants us to just, uh, just to experience the freedom that we have in Christ and to just be um, acknowledging and, 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 and really, I don't know how best to say it, but to be in touch with what he's done for us. That's what I'm trying to get at. And this woman was. Now, one thing I want to mention before I just go to our, our second and last point, and that is just this. This forgiveness that uh, can be experienced uh, through Jesus Christ, it's not automatic. It's not automatic, okay? It's not like, um, you know, Jesus died on the cross and now automatically anybody who has ever lived because of what he has done is, is covered by his blood. No, you have, to, um, you have to believe. You have to have, put your faith in what he did. So there is, our part is to have faith in what he did. Uh, for our forgiveness and to believe that that is, is what we need and that he is the only one that supplies it. So it's not automatic. And let me just um, share with you just a brief story I found that, that really talks about this thing that's not automatic, this forgiveness. Um, in 1830, a man named George Wilson was arrested for mail theft. So, uh, you know, like stealing somebody's mail. Um, and uh, at that time, it might have been, you know, a stagecoach and a bag full of mail. I don't really know. <laughs> Didn't really check the year. Um, but uh, he was arrested, and the penalty was hanging. That'll make you think twice before stealing a letter out of a box, won't it? Um, after a time, President Andrew Jackson gave Wilson a pardon. But this guy, Wilson, refused to accept the pardon. Imagine that? Hanging. And so the authorities were puzzled, should Wilson be freed or hanged? They consulted Chief Justice John Marshall, who handed down... I know, you knew this was coming. I I wasn't thinking about you, John, when I did this. It just happened to be here. Chief Justice John Marshall, who handed down this following decision. Listen to his decision about this. Because the question is like, well, should we let this guy basically take his own life in a sense, right? Um, or say, I'm, he's going to say, I'm going to take the penalty. So he, here, here was the decision. A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. So he didn't, he didn't want to accept the pardon, right? And, and we, we look at that, we say, man, that's crazy. Well, you know, it's crazy to reject Jesus' offer of forgiveness. When you understand, right, when you get it, when, when um, the eyes of our heart are opened and we see, right, that's the thing. And so uh, may God give you the grace to see our true condition before him. And may you receive the pardon that Jesus has made available. Amen? So you have to, you know, experience that forgiveness uh, if you're going to 
uh, be able to display your gratitude. If you don't experience that forgiveness uh, like this, um, this woman had, you're, you're not going to display it. You'll, you'll be like the Pharisee. You'll be like him, and you'll be like, you know, this is ridiculous what's going on here. You, don't even, you won't even understand it. But once you, once you experience the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, then, um, then we are, are going to be able to express our love and devotion to Jesus through a life of worship. And that's what he wants, right? Um, so when, you, when you're forgiven in, in Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in him, right, you're rightly related to God and the response would be as this woman. You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus points out, um, you, know, he, he, you know, it's obvious he's comparing Simon to this woman. Um, and it says, uh, he, you remember, so when, after he tells, Jesus tells a little parable in verse 44, it says, then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. And then he says, uh, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You did not welcome me, is what he's saying. Your attitude toward me, Simon, is totally wrong. She treated me as I should have been treated. She gets it. You don't. That's quite the rebuke. You know, these things that were mentioned, right, were all things that someone would have done, especially with someone who was uh, of high esteem that you were welcoming into your home. You, know, you washed their feet. You, you would have anointed their head with oil, um, all as a, as a means of displaying honor. Right and and of course a kiss on the cheek right in the Middle East this is just a very common thing right it's a greeting he didn't do any of those things what does that tell you about his heart it was not right towards the Lord but hers on the other hand was right she had received the forgiveness of God and there she was just worshiping with all she had. She had this alabaster jar, and she was anointing his feet with this oil in there, probably some kind of a perfume, washing his feet, all these things. And, and the thing I, that strikes me in a number of things is when she didn't hold back. She just did not. Like, this is my Lord. I'm going to show him the love and devotion that he deserves. And she just didn't, she didn't care what anybody thought. Think about that. What if we lived our lives without, think, without caring what other people thought? In other words, with the aim of doing what, what is appropriate and living our lives as a life of worship. And that's what I want to talk about for the last few minutes is just living a life of worship, Okay. Uh, we have to kind of, um, I, I want you to not just think kind of Western here about worship, where you, we always think about worship as singing. And that can be a way of worship, of expressing our worship of God, right? But it's just one way, right? But, but we're really called to live a life of worship. 
We're called to live a life of worship. And, and, and so I want you to just kind of think wider and broader than just singing songs. Because if you have experienced the forgiveness that's available through the Lord Jesus, then we are to express our gratitude and love and devotion through our lives. Our lives, our whole lives, what we do, how we do it, how we interact with people. So a life of worship is honoring and loving and devoting ourselves to God. It's elevating God in your life by telling Him He's worthy of praise and priority. He's worthy of praise and priority. Well, if you're not sure which priority is, it's top priority, okay? Number one, right? Um, And also, a life of worship is a life constantly putting aside anything that tries to take place of that number one spot belonging to God. And by the way, that is a lifelong thing because things creep in there and get a hold of our hearts at times and become idols that draw us away from God, right? And so we have to be vigilant, don't we? Like the proverb says, right? right be careful, watch over your heart for from it flow the springs of life. Be diligent. Be diligent. I, I'm always struck by the Apostle Paul's instructions to young Pastor Timothy when he says, watch your life. Watch your life and your doctrine, he says. Watch it. Because he says, how you conduct your life and what your doctrine is, solid biblical teaching, right, um, will ensure, he says, Salvation, not only for yourselves, but for your people. In other words, Timothy, if your life starts going off the rails spiritually, you could lead a whole church off with you. And if your life, Timothy, is not exemplary, not perfect, but exemplary uh, to your congregation, it's going to be a detriment to them. And so so we it just, just this... Um, We have to be constantly on guard for idols in our life, things that want to take the place of God, that we seem to have a higher say than God. Now, let me give you some scriptures that, I don't have them up on the screen here, but this, this that will point you towards this living a life of worship, okay? Because we've seen it exemplified here in this woman. She is just demonstrating to him, uh, you know, just a gratitude of, of the great debt of sin that has been erased. Galatians 2.20 is a, a great passage, a great scripture for this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is for the Christian. Okay? If you put your faith in Jesus, it says, you have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Don't you see in that verse this gratitude that we should have, right? The, that Christ uh, has 
given himself for me, and it's therefore I'm no longer living for me. I'm living for him. That's that's what he calls us to do. That's a life of worship, living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38 may sound familiar to you. Matthew 22, 37 and 38 says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's just like with everything you have, right? Everything you have. It says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I, I ran across a... Um, well, I think I ran across... Here we go. Um, I ran across a song... Um, I think it, was a, it might have been a year ago. Uh, time is a little strange during COVID time, right? Uh, it was sometime during COVID because I know a lot of people were wearing masks at the event, but I went to a Mercy Me con- concert here in town. Uh, somebody that I know from college, doesn't even live around here, uh, messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, I can't go to the concert. Would you like the tickets? I'm like, Sure. So we went there, and they sang this song that night. Um, it's called Even If. Even If. Just a powerful, powerful song. And, and basically, um, if you think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. And um, uh, Daniel three sixteen through 18 says this. Of course, these guys were going to be thrown into the furnace, right, for not... Um, worshiping the king. So it says, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, this is good theology here, people, okay? He's like, God can do this, but I don't presume what he will want to do. Even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. This is a life of worship. These young men were like, there is one God, and he's top priority. And for them, living a life of worship in this moment was to say, God is able to. They had faith, but they were like, you know, even if he doesn't. Well, that song, even if, part of it says, it says, but what will I say when I'm held to the flame? Like I am right now. So they were going through some kind of situation, the writer of the song. He says, I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand, but even if you don't, my hope is you alone. That's what we have to, we have to know, right? When we've experienced the forgiveness available through Jesus and 
living a life of worship out of gratitude for what He has done for us because we love Him and are devoted to Him. We we live lives like this where there are tough decisions, there are tough situations, and our prayer is like, Lord, save me out of this. Lord, heal me from this. Lord, help me out of this. And knowing that he can, but even if he doesn't, we will still worship. That's a life of worship. That's a life of worship. Last verse I want to mention to you in this regard is, um, I, last, I think it was last week I had you guys stand for reading of Romans 12.1 before we got into the Word. Now I want to look at the verse following Romans 12, 2. <clears throat> you know, in Romans 12 is a, if you haven't studied Romans for a while, it's a turning point, right? It's a turning point. Everything up to that point, the first 11 chapters is, y'all are sinners and need of a Savior, and Jesus is it. Right? That's the, that's the cliff notes. And then chapter 12 is like, well, hey, now that you know Christ is Savior, this is the only logical thing to do. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 of Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, the mercies they've just learned about, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Well, when you think Old Testament, you think of worship, what do you think? Sacrifice. Certainly sacrifice. But this time, it's not dead animals. We're not killing animals. We're, it's like we're living sacrifice. Our lives, uh, we are worshiping with our lives. And he says, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. And then verse 2. So what does that look like? What does that look like sometimes? Well, it's going to look like this. Number chapter, uh, Verse 2, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Worshiping God with your life means knowing what, knowing the difference between what is the world versus what is God's will. And when those two clash, if we are living a life of worship, we will not be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is why it's so important for us to know the Word of God, allow it to change our thinking to come in alignment with God's will. It says that, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Right? So living a life of worship is going to be a calling out to God, saying, God, I need your guidance. I need to know what your will is. I need discernment. What is good and acceptable and perfect? So, the Lord calls us to, in response to the forgiveness we have received in Christ, if we have, is to live a life of worship. And this woman sets there as an example for us. She didn't care what people thought. She loved her Lord, and she, it showed 
It wasn't like, I'm not going to let anybody know. Anonymity went right out the window, and she walked it up behind Jesus' feet. Um, it, it just may the Lord help us this morning, right? If the fires of our heart have kind of died down for the Lord, and maybe we've kind of taken his forgiveness for granted, uh, may the Lord stir that up for us. If we've put our faith in Christ, and may God restore to us the joy of our salvation. And may we realize what a great debt we have been forgiven because of what Christ did. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we come to you so grateful, so grateful that we have your word. These things written down, these interactions with our Lord Jesus, with other people. Lord, if there's anyone this morning who doesn't know the true condition of their soul, God, would you open their eyes? Help them to see their need for you, for forgiveness of their sin. Lord, help us who believe in Christ to give you all our worship, our lives, our the jobs that you've given us, the money that you've given us, um, the possessions you've given us, the relationships we have. Of, um, Lord, help us to live and interact with those things and people in such a way as they, as our lives would say, Jesus is number one. Jesus is my Lord. I will not, by the grace of God, be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind as I put your word in there, as I meditate on it, as I obey it. You change us. So, Lord, we just pray that even in our remaining two songs, Lord, we may be able to give you all our worship in that way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.